Welcome to Releasing Your Inner Dragon, where story creators talk story creation. Drake is an award-winning fantasy novelist and creative writing teacher. You can find his epic fantasy series, The Genesis Oblivion, on Kindle Vela. Marie runs a fantasy world-building channel called Just In Time Worlds, and her first book, The Hidden Blade, is available on Kindle Unlimited. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to Releasing Your Inner Dragon. So today we're going to talk about a topic that I would like to discuss very much, which is dreamscapes, using dreams and using flashbacks. Because to me, they all fall into that kind of thing where it's not something that's really happening to the narrating character, but it's supposed to serve a purpose. This is a really interesting one Mm. because on the one hand, people really like to do this. On the other hand, a lot of them are used horribly and terribly and actually in the worst possible way possible. But on still yet another hand, they can be used brilliantly. I have a very specific story here because in that vein of stuff that I did wrong, in my very first alpha draft of the hidden blade my my very first alpha draft the very first page that i wrote i had about a paragraph worth of description and then i had a flashback scene i submitted this page to a writer's convention as like one of those things where they go through and they read the first page and then they'll say whether they'd accept this book or not i've actually so i've sat on those panels where i've been up on stage being one of the ones that's doing it because uh, they usually like to have a publisher yeah. or a, an agent, a writer, and, right? yeah. and I'm usually that. That's mm. when when we do that at the writers' conventions that I'm teaching mm. at or whatever. They'll they'll drag me up on stage for that. Yeah. But before before I got to be able mm. to be up on stage, I sat in on some of those, and I never had the courage to actually submit to them. So, so you I, already I, leaps see, and bounds. I have no ego in that way because I come from a coding background. Like Mm -hmm. as a junior coder, I had my whole heart ripped out by somebody saying, this is absolutely terrible. This whole class needs to be rewritten. In fact, this whole module is terrible. Go rewrite it. And it took me two weeks to write that module. And I just, I was devastated. Since then, I have had no ego about this kind of thing. I'm like, it's okay. It's Well, and it's, it's just, just a little insight on our relationship. You know, we met because she invited me on her uh, YouTube show. I immediately saw this, this person that had this great attitude that, and then we talked Mm -hmm. offline and and that just kind of evolved to this podcast, but it really had to do with, with your attitude. And, and, and even Mm -hmm. like the people that I allow into my private writers group, Mm -hmm. it's always about their attitude, never about their skill level. So attitude is the most important thing. And I meet so many writers that have the worst attitude. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you're never going to make it in this, this realm. And what's even worse is when you meet the successful writer that has that attitude. Yeah. And it's like, man, I hate that you succeeded because yeah. I don't even care if you're a good writer, your attitude is terrible. So, yeah. So, yeah. If you, if you take one thing from that, from that conversation, like have the courage to put your stuff out there and bear yeah. in mind, it's not, it's not an attack on you or your ego. It's your work. Yep. So, so anyway, so I, I submitted my page and my page came up and <laughs> they got, they read the first paragraph and they got about two sentences into the flashback and the publisher was like, stop, I've rejected this book because he, and he, and he said, one paragraph is not enough for me to care about your character. And now you're taking me into a flashback scene 
no, thank you, done. And that was one of the most insightful comments that I've ever received. It was brutal, you know, it was to the point, but he was right. One paragraph is not enough to make anyone care about the character. Yeah. And now you're taking me into a flashback. No, go away. Well, and I say this, and I said this in the last podcast, which was our first uh, writer's journey podcast. Mm -hmm. I've said this, you know, other times in this thing, when we talked about like scene setting and stuff like that, the most important thing is to make the reader care about that narrating character everything else is redundant mm. to that everything so starting with the chapter of the history of your world doesn't no nope one of the things that that was hit on me that really impacted me in a negative way as a youngling novelist and coming up through the through the industry you know i was told really early on you absolutely can never start a novel in a dream if you do you will never get published we will always reject you and mm. so and, and and it's wrong so a lot of the it, things it's that the, wrong the, but it's right you, well, so a lot of the things that the can, publishing industry says, but you have to do it so well. Well, well, certainly. But a lot of the the reasons why the publishing industry says the things that they do is not mm-hmm. necessarily that they mean what they say. Mm. What they're doing is that so many people do it wrong. We would rather nobody do it. Yes. And that's really what they're saying. So when they say, don't, you know, if you start your, your, your book off in mm. a dream, we're going to reject it every time they actually are, but it's because They've seen it done so many times. It's done wrong almost every time. When they mm. start in the dream, they're just—they're not even going to waste their time to find out yeah. if you did it right because ninety percent of the people do it wrong. So screw it. I'm yeah. just not going to do it. It's the same thing with speech tags when they're like, "Don't do anything but he said, she said." Period. Yeah. That's actually wrong. It's just that everyone who tries to do more, they do stupid mm. stuff like he whispered quietly or he screamed loudly. And it's mm. like, that's so terrible and so redundant and so horrible mm. because you can only whisper quietly and you can only scream loudly yeah. that, that doing it just pisses them off. Yeah. And so they say, don't do it. But yeah. the reality is, is you can do it and you can do it really well. It's just that if you do it Most poorly, you're going to get rejected. What that, what that publisher said was one paragraph is not enough to make me care about the character. Right. Correct. Which is the truth. Which is the truth. Yes. So you cannot take a reader into a flashback and say, like, after one one paragraph, you can once they care about the character. It's like all of those TV shows that go that start with like the Bamf and then they go three days earlier. I literally I don't enjoy them, but I will I will tolerate it if it's a series that I like. But if that is the first episode of the first season i have just switched off the tv and i'm not watching so i'm a huge marvel geek yeah and in the third episode maybe the second episode but i think it was the third episode of marvel's agents of shield Mm. they do that and they do it so terribly that i didn't i've never watched agents of shield Never. And I know there's some really good stuff in there that ties in really well. And I do want to go back and watch it. But that scene pissed me off so much because the, the, the problem with the 18 hours earlier is why are you showing me the climax? Yeah. Why are you showing me what we're going to build to? Yeah. Why would you ruin that? Let me actually go through. So in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they're on the plane and we've already been introduced to the plane. It's the agent's plane. Mm-hmm. And the or, I'm sorry, we're outside of the plane. We're, we're on the outside of the plane looking at it flying. And the side of the plane blows out and several people are sucked out and fall to their death. And then it says 18 hours later. 
And I'm like, okay, so we're going to obviously end up in the plane and obviously the side of the plane is going to get broken out. And that didn't piss me off. I actually would have gone with that. Mm-hmm. What pissed me off is once they got there. So once we get there at the end of the episode, they're on the plane and they're captured on their own plane and they're locked in their little jail. And one of them says, I know how we can get out of this, but you're not going to like it. Now, if they had stopped there, I would have let it slide. Mm. But the film kept or the the camera kept rolling as one of the characters leaned over and I watched him whisper for like 15 seconds. And I started going, I already know you blow up the plane. You showed (laughs) it to me. Why are you? Why am I watching this guy whisper a plane? I already know. Like I was so furious, I turned it <laughs> off and I have yet to go back and watch Agents. That was, that was five years ago. Yeah. Like I'm still furious about this. And Why are you showing me him whispering something that I already know what he's whispering? Yeah. And, and, that was, and that was a flashback of like just 18 hours. Yeah. Sometimes you'll read a flashback and like you see it often in fantasy writing where they're like, and then they flash back to something that happened in the dude's childhood. Sure. You want to show where the guy gets these attributions from. But that ain't the way to do it. No. You can organically work it in at the yep. right time. So the reason why you did what you did with your flashback and the reason why people start with the history of the world chapter yeah. or the dream chapter or whatever mm-hmm. It's always the same reason. It's the wrong reason. It's always the same reason. And it's the wrong reason. The reason that, the, that every writer wants to do this is because they think to themselves, if the reader doesn't know this information before they meet the mm-hmm. character, they're not going to understand. And I guarantee you, you're wrong. So that's not actually they why I'll, I'll, not. I'll, I'll get into why I did it, but because that was, that wasn't what actually what I did. I I was really an idiot. I just started my story in the wrong. No, no. I just started my story in the right. wrong place. That, that's the other thing that yeah. I was going to say is if you start off with a flashback that quickly, it's because you're just starting off at the wrong spot. Yeah, no, that's exactly. So, so yeah. I, I didn't want to, <laughs> so I didn't want to write the journey of the assassin, like, traveling to the city where he's going to commit the assassination but he gets his orders out elsewhere so it's like but i don't want to write that whole journey so what i'll do is i'll write him arriving in the city and then just flash back to him getting the order to show you know, like to show the inciting incident and then just come back to it and that i mean that it was just laziness i was i was just taking a shortcut that was yeah. what i was doing <laughs> yeah so yeah i should amend that and say the second reason is you're just not starting in the right spot yeah so but yeah and it's always wrong it's it's always wrong. So that's kind of that was this point of this publisher who said, you know, you don't flash back until right. you don't flash back until you care. And a flashback will not make the reader care about the character. No. Nor will a dream. Nor will a dream. Neither of those things are as impactful as what is happening to the character in this moment at this time. Yep. <clears throat> make sure your readers care before you go into a flashback as with everything you know the cool thing about creative writing is the first word of creative writing is creative mm-hmm. you can break every rule so i do want to talk about two times where i've broken that rule uh successfully in my opinion mm-hmm. and neither neither are for public consumption so <laughs> no one i i can't be proved wrong but i also can't be proved right yeah. but the first is my children's movie that's in development right now 
almost no movies make it to development, but 99% of movies that do make it development never get made. So by me saying I've got a movie in development literally means nothing. Means nothing. Again, at the beginning of this, I talked about how the, the industry really made me terrified of ever starting a dream. And I don't, there's mm. no piece of prose that I've ever written that starts off in a dream. Mm. Film is such a different medium and you have mm. literally at most 119 pages, period. It is a hard deadline. And I took all 119 pages of that. And, you know, film has these things, these, you, you have to do this by page this, you have to do that by page that. It's way different than the kind of free flowingness of writing a novel because, mm. you know, with a film, you really should be writing a 110 page script you can go up to 119 pages. So you get nine yeah. pages. When pros, that's, you get plus or minus 10%. Yeah. So like when a publisher sends me a contract for a project or whatever, they're like, oh yeah, you, we need, it needs to be 120,000 words, plus or minus 10%. Yeah. That's 12,000, that's 24,000 word variance. That's an entire, that's, that's 60 pages that I could <laughs> go anywhere in that, that zone and be fine. But movie yeah. scripts don't work that way. So with, no. with Snurse, so that's the name of the, the kid's movie, Snurse, A Magical, Magical Fairy Tale. When I, when I really sat down and I was like, okay, so in the first two pages, you have to introduce the character, introduce the character, the, 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 the conflict of the movie, and you actually have to make them care about this character. And you also have to make sure that the audience understands the desire of the character, mm. their motivation in two pages. And it's two pages of script which is like three paragraphs of prose. <laughs> so it's, Good it's, luck with it's that. <laughs> very condensed. And so I came up with this idea to start it in a dream sequence. When I submitted it, I still had that terror of the publishing industry beating hmm. me of, of this, you know, about the head and neck saying, don't you ever send me something that starts in dream. I will, I will burn you because mm. that's what, you know, so that's the, the masters <laughs> of the publishing industry have, have made me very scared of this. Yeah. And so now I write this and I'm like, I think it works. I really think I nailed it. But what are the masters going to think <laughs> <What are> the- <laughs> as, as I'm sending it to them? And it's, burn. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I really was, I'm, I'm like biting nails. But it goes to this industry uh, thing that actually rates scripts mm-hmm. on how well that they think it's going to make money. Mm-hmm. And it was th- one of the highest animated kids movies that they've ever rated. I'm in the but, process of writing the novel of that. Yeah. And I am still starting it in that dream. And so now when I finish that, I'm going to have to go to my other masters and say, <laughs> masters, I have another thing for you. And they may burn me. <laughs> so so because- I would I would like to read something. You know, if you listen to this podcast, you know that I am a Cashew, a, a, a Jacqueline Carey fangirl of like the highest order. You know yep. that. But I would like to read the opening of the third book, which, which starts with, it ended with a dream. Ten years of peace, the ancient oracle of Asherat on the sea promised me. Ten years I had, and in that time, my fortune prospered along with that of Terra de Ange, my beloved nation. She goes on to describe the nature of her dream. So you can. Well, but there's that, that's also a little different because that's but, book three. Yes, it's book so three. So you've already earned, you yeah. You know, again, a part, of, a part of what you're doing as a writer is you're earning the mm. right to do something. You're yes. earning the right to cheat. You're earning, because like that, if you read that, like what you just read, if that was an opening mm. uh, paragraph, I would stop reading. It's yeah. very telly. It's very, but, but you know what? If you, if I'm starting your third book, 
you're yeah. really kind of just recapping stuff that I already know exactly. or, or bringing back into exactly. it. So you've earned the yeah. right yeah. to do something like that. This is the third book of a first person narrative where we've been following this character and only yeah. this character. There's a lot of leeway. Yeah. Which you don't get when it's the very first no. word of the very first thing. No. <laughs> no. So again, it's still about, you know, just like what that publisher did to you. One paragraph yeah. doesn't do it. Two novels. That's a yeah. lot of, that's a lot of purchasing power. That's a lot like, of love. Like, you know? <laughs> you've done a great job of, of, yeah. of giving me enough to continue to stay with you. So therefore, sure, start it that way. Even Shakespeare's Midsummer Dream doesn't start. It's been a while since I've read the play and absolutely ages since I've seen it perform, but it didn't start with a dream sequence. The dream sequence is in the middle somewhere where you already care about the characters. Right. Yep. Because having people care about the dream sequence right off the bat, you need to put a lot of heart into that dream sequence. That's a good segue to the second example. So the second example, again, it's not published yet. So there's no way to prove me right or wrong on whether this was done. And technically, I'm not writing this. Um, this is one of the stories from The Realm of the Dying Sun, which is that big 20 novel project that will start dropping in 2023 mm -hmm. that me and three other writers are writing. Plotting out a story for one of the author, author uh, other authors, because we plot this together. We, I'm mm -hmm. running it exactly like a television room. All authors are involved in on all stories. They're, they plot mm -hmm. all stories. They edit all stories. So even though one guy's name is on it, technically all four of us wrote every single mm -hmm. story. I pitched the idea and everybody went with it, but this is the, this is the opening of a, of a new character, but I actually start this with a dream and you don't know this character yet. You've never met this character yet. Now I am leaning on the fact that this is this, it is in the first novel. Uh, it's a story that we skip because it's a different plot arc. So we, we had these pigeonholes of these stories, mm. but you do have four stories, four novellas that you've already read. So we've, we've purchased a little bit of loyalty by that point. You're talking 80,000 words yeah. of story before you get to this story. And yes, it's a new character, but hopefully we'll, we'll have purchased a little bit of your loyalty at that point. But these dreams are not dreams. It's information coming from the gods from another dimension. Mm -hmm. They're trying. So it's, it, I don't want to use the word prophecy yeah. no, because it. it's not a prophecy. They're literally trying to communicate yeah. and they can't because when you meet him, he's a farmer. And mm -hmm. so his story is kind of mundane in the beginning. And so I wanted to start off with this fantastical, you know, there's dragons and it's, it's a lot of imagery and it's because he can't understand the words. They're, they're trying to talk to him, but it, 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 he's so far removed, he can't get it. And so it's just garbled, but he sees things. The problem is, is that when you just see these visions, they, the reason why we create them is he interprets them one way, but you don't know if the, that, because there's other That's ways right, you right. could interpret this stuff. Yeah. I think that this is going to work because what the reason and, and how I pitched it to the group was I want to start with this fantastical. And then the next chapter is he's literally just at the breakfast table telling his family about this weird dream. And then the next chapter, he's just farming. And the next chapter, he has to make a tribute because he's kind of in this, this uh, subjugated area. And so he has to give a lot of his food away to the, to his masters. He's not necessarily a slave, but he definitely ain't free. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and that's mundane. And then, and then we build and the story ends with this fantastical thing happening. And so what I, what I, the way I pitched it was, but we're book ending. We're, we're starting with a fantastical thing. 
then we're just giving him this mundane, bland meat and potatoes. Mm -hmm. And then we're ending it with this fantastical thing that you're like, oh, and it ties in. And so Mm -hmm. I've convinced two of the guys so far. We're still in the the planning stages Mm -hmm. of that story. But again, you have purchased some loyalty. Have 80,000 words, actually almost 90,000 words. If that is the first chapter of your first book, forget it. Not going to work. I'm done. Not going to work. Also, if your book ends with, and it was all a dream, I'm, <laughs> I'm done. I'm putting your book down. I'm never reading anything by you again. I am done. So when the publisher of Genesis went out of business, you know, I'm doing conventions and people are, are, are hitting me up like, dude, you wrote the third book. What's going on? You know, where, where, when, how, come on. And occasionally they will pin me in a corner and be like, look, just tell us how it goes. Just, just, I, I have to know. I, I have. And so the, and it's only happened maybe a dozen times, but every time I've done the same thing, I was like, all right, all right, all right. I'll tell you the ending. The, the two main characters at the, at the, after the climax, after this big massive battle scene, uh, one of them is killed. And as soon as he dies, they pull off their virtual reality goggles and they look at each other and they're like, see, I told you, you were going to be the one that dies. And they look at me with this look of horror on their face. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not telling you how it ends. It's not happening. Because obviously I'm totally lying on that. That would be a horrible way to end a five novel fantasy. I, I, I would. I would stab the author. I would find I would find a way to stab that author straight through the internet. I swear, so help me. People who do that and think they're being clever. No, yeah. you are not being clever. No. You have just wasted my time. What you've yeah. just told me is that everything that I experienced, all the highs, all the lows, everything, none of it matters. Me and you have a, a movie that yes. that we thought was that. Yes, because that IP has done that exact thing a dozen times and it's horrible. And yet. And yet. And that movie is Star Trek. The reboot, the the new reboot, the rebooted versions. I know that there, you know, there have been issues with the reboots and especially the last movie was not so great and so on. But that first movie, when they blew up Vulcan, I was like, Eh, they're going to time travel, fix it. Nothing's going to matter. Like, this is just another freaking time travel movie from Star Trek. Yay. Nothing matters. Which they've done dozens of times. A million times. A dozen. So it's not like they don't have the track record of doing it. <laughs> they always do this. Always. I was so, like, they always do this. So I bitched. <laughs> so my family hated watching that movie with because we went in it blind, which I, no. I tried to go into all my movies blind. So I didn't know anything mm. about it. Me too. And literally when that happens, like my wife was excited about whatever. She was like, oh, look how cool that was. I'm like, what does it matter? None of this is going to happen. None of this happened. So like I'm I'm like an old man during the movie just going, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Oh, you thought that was cool? That didn't happen. It's all going to be erased. It's all going to be erased. They're going to just time travel and fix everything. And none of this. So I was like this grumpy old man for the entire movie. I didn't shut up. Constantly bitched the entire movie mm-hmm. and then you reach the end at the end credits roll and Vulcan's still blown up and you're like oh my god best star trek movie i ever. did we walked out of that theater and i was like did you see that movie that was great that was so good i loved that movie i freaking loved it i thought that was amazing not 
not because I thought it was groundbreaking, not because it, right, but because they made it matter. Yes, they blew up Vulcan and they stuck with it, and it mattered. Yes, it impacted. Even though all this stuff is fake, yeah. all this stuff is make believe. Mm. It's real to the fans. Yes. And so when you do that, when you do that crappy plot device where you take them on this journey, you make them care about this, you actually in, impact their lives. And then you say, yeah, no, none of it was real. It I'm matters. just lying. Yeah. That, it, there's not- nothing that betrays a fan yeah. more than that. Yeah. Shakespeare did it. Yeah. Shakespeare did it in Midsummer Night's Dream. Once. In all the plays he wrote, he did it once he also did it 400 years ago 400 years ago before everybody did it he was probably first he was likely he he, he probably (laughs) finished writing a midsummer night dream and at the bottom (laughs) of it he wrote first (laughs) (laughs) from everything i know about his life he 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 probably would have (laughs) (laughs) even when he did it it was a sequence it wasn't the whole play it was a sequence in the play and that dream still had impact on the character afterward. Yep. Like the character learned a lesson in that dream that they then took and that you see the denouement of in the latter part of the play. It wasn't not like only that, the whole thing is just a dream. Not only that, and, and, and I may get some of this wrong because it has also been years for me. It's been a long time. <laughs> I think it was the fairy king that, that made him have the, the made yeah, them have the dream. Was, yeah, yeah. It was he he and insulted I, it, right. he, Titania and he got ears right. and it was the fairy king and queen were like dicking with but each I think, other. I think not only did the humans mm. learn a lesson from the dream, yes. I actually think the fairy king, if yes. I remember correctly, he also learned a lesson yes. and grew as a character. Yeah. So there was growth on both sides of the street, like yeah. you know, and, and that made the dream impactful. Sure, if you're going to take a dream sequence and make it impactful on the spirits of the characters, but then it's not just, oh, this was all a dream and it didn't happen. Then it's like right. impacting. Then right. it's a thing that happened to them. It's just that the real consequences of it, like the guy doesn't wake up with ears, with ass right. ears, but the right. memory of the events that led to him having ass ears, that yeah. is with them. Yeah. When you're doing dream sequences, they have to have impact in -hmm. some way. They have to have impact or they have to be relevant to the story. Like prophetic dreams is a different thing from a normal dream sequence, in my opinion. You know, me too, me too. And dream communications, again, that's a different thing from from these like, oh, it was just a dreamscape. Like, no, no, do not do that. Just just, don't. You're not being clever. You're not being clever. You are just telling me that I have just wasted my time yeah. getting invested in these characters because they were all just a dream. You're telling me that you think I'm stupid. Yeah. And like I said, in TV, it's it's over. It's done to yeah. death because they're like, oh, we can't ever kill our main characters. So let's have him have a dream. And, he dies. A dream. and they no. literally just film it as if no. it's real. They shoot him in the face. He's dead. And then he wakes up and yeah, you're no. literally just saying to the audience. So you're stupid. Mm. And I'm going to kill this character and you're going to believe it for a second. And then I'm going to, I'm, because you're so and, stupid. And then it's I'm not going to matter because he's going to wake up. Right. No, I'm, I'm done with you. I'm done with your content at that point. Yeah. I'm just done. Such an insult. Yeah. Such an insult to the, to the audience. Yeah. Flashbacks never lead with them. 
one paragraph is not enough to make you care about the character. Right, right. But, but even still, even that is even not when... to say that you can't do flashback. So I've totally, I've totally got a flashback in Ducal Air. But by then, you know the two characters in the flashback. You know the character in the flashback. Seeing the flashback gives you an insight that you would never get right. otherwise. And that, that's, a, that's a beautiful way to say it. Literally, I was getting ready to go. Whenever you feel like you're doing a flashback, whenever you're like, oh, I've got to do a flashback because, because I need to do this. 90% of them don't need to be done. 90% of them... When you go back, because you're like, oh, but I want them to to live that moment, just like this character did, but it happened three years before the story, five years before mm -hmm. the story, whatever. More than likely, nothing is going to happen in that moment that's going to be that impactful. It, it would be so much more organic and quicker mm -hmm. to just have the character in conversation tell another character what happened to them in the past. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, my father was a drunk and he beat my brother to death. And then when he realized what he had done. It, it affected him so much. He drank even more until a year later, he had drank himself to death. Yeah. That is so much more impactful coming from the character than to have me go back in time and actually watch the father beat the son to death and then watch that year long mm. descent into death from alcoholism, mm. because that you're trying to make me care about those characters. When it's the character telling the tragedy of their past, you're, you're connecting me with that character. You're, you're letting me live how they remember it and how they feel about it. So most flashbacks, most of the time, what I tell my people, if you, if you really think you're going to write a flashback, really, really, really be self-critical on that moment, mm -hmm. because more than likely it shouldn't be done more than likely it, it would be so much more dramatic to make me feel this character that I've already loved. And, and feel them remembering it, feel their either joy or pain yeah. or whatever, then to have me go. Now, what you said is there's something that happens in that scene that they cannot get if they, they, they weren't there. They, so, that that, okay, then, so there's two things. The, this particular character would never relate the scene to That's anyone. another. That's it's another. Not in a million years. Another, never. Plausible, another yeah. plausible reason for doing it. But more importantly, it's a shared the two characters literally go into this character's memory and they that's watch, also different i don't consider know? that a, so, i don't consider that a flashback so they're they're watching what happened to her as a child and they're you know you experience the narrator's like right oh you know that's you not a flashback yeah. <laughs> in my opinion that's well, not a flashback it's not but it is like because they're going forward in yeah. time to themselves and learning yeah. something new the farmer, you know, the first book yeah. of the Genesis saga, chapter six, mm. I have these things called Silrithars, mm. and you actually record memories and yeah. then you can hand them to somebody. And when they live them there, you're the human brain can't distinguish that you're watching it. So it actually lays down in your brain as if it was a memory of from you. You yeah. did it. You you live that moment. If if the 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 person wants you to experience that, so Rithars have several different ways they can be used. And so in chapter six, I wanted to introduce this city um, from the outside in. And so his brother's already there, been there for two years. And so I have him basically relive this memory through this Silrithar, where the brother imbued him sitting on a wagon, riding into town for the first time. Hmm. 
it, it introduces this type of magic. It introduces the Silrithtar. It introduces the mat, you know, the coolness of that. There's a little bit of funkiness in the beginning because in the beginning he's like, well, it's, it's me, you know, looking at this guy's memory, but it, but it's not, but it's me. I'm and sitting on the bench. I, I but then remember his brother. That, I remember that chapter specifically for that thing at the beginning. Cause I was like, I read it. And because I've read a lot of fantasy, I read it and I was like, oh, it's him seeing his brother's memory. Right. You know, but you <laughs> lose you that. If you and, read a lot and of within fantasy, a couple paragraphs, yeah, it's literally just now he's doing this. Mm. And he, even though it's a memory, and it's not mm. even his memory. That's mm. I wanted. And, and so there is a little bit of confusion. But again, it goes. I've said this several times on the podcast. I'm the roller coaster. I control what yep. you feel. So a lot of people are like, man, I get a little confused in this in this mm. couple of paragraphs. And then I'm like, oh, OK, right. And they're like, you should rewrite this. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> literally, I want you as the reader to yeah. also be confused because the narrator is confused. Mm. The narrator's mind is struggling with you know, his, his conscious mind knows that it's his brother's memory, but his mm. subconscious is like, no, this is my memory. Mm. I was there. And so I wrote the paragraph in this mm. way that there is one paragraph that, that the, that you as the reader are going to struggle through mm. because the narrator is literally struggling through that moment of his life. And so again, it's about controlling that. So no, I'm not going to rewrite that. I want you to feel uncomfortable and, and like, wait, is yeah. this, what's going on here? Because the, the, the narrator is literally going, wait, what's going on here? But then you get it. But then I bring you back to it because then you say something, but then you go, but that's not my voice because yes. it doesn't change the, it doesn't change what you hear and what you see. Yeah. So when, when the real person who has experienced the memory says something out loud, it's coming out of your mouth mm. because by that point you are that person, Yeah. but you know what you sound like and you don't yeah. sound and like that. You don't that. sound like that. And, that's, and so that's my moment yeah. to bring the audience back and make you go, look, I know you think that, that you're this, but remember you're not. Yeah. And so it's just my way of reminding the reader, yeah. this is not your memory. This is your brother's memory. Yeah. And so again, I don't consider that a flashback though, even mm. though it happened two years ago, mm. it's still being experienced anew for the first time. That's and fair. So, That's fair. Okay. So, so if you do a flashback where it's being experienced by the people in the story and you, and, and that narrating character has already experienced it. Yes. That's really what I see as your classical yeah. flashback. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Reconsider. Yeah. It, Reconsider. If you're going to take me back there, <laughs> there has to be something that happens that I cannot get. One of the things you said was perfect. This character will never tell this thing. Yeah. If, if that's the case, then great that you're going to be forced. If there's no mm -hmm. organic way to get that in the story, then you're going to be forced to do that flashback. Mm. But flashbacks should be very few. I mean, like they're rife. They, people use them all the time. And again, what we said in the, in, and I think in the last podcast, or maybe at the beginning of this one, because they all run together now, it, you started in the wrong spot. You started in the wrong spot. That's, 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 that's probably exactly what, what you is. did. You started in the uh, wrong spot. Um, if there's a piece of information that yeah. you're like, oh no, they have to live this, then you should start on the wrong start spot. there. Okay. Um, like start, start, start in the right spot. Even if it's like, so this goes into, to, let's throw prologues in here too, because yeah. you should almost never write a prologue. Ever prologues are literally. I mean, I always absolute, write a prologue. <laughs> literally, you know, I I'm I'm very much against it. And then I actually wrote one and then cut it because it it still doesn't do. Yeah. You know, most prologues do not do what you think they do. But here's here is a good way to do a prologue. Mm. 
let's say there's a flashback scene that happens 10 years ago in this character's mm -hmm. life that needs to happen. But then nothing happens to this character for 10 years, and the story doesn't start until 10 years later. Then right. prologue. Do that one scene as a prologue. You still have to make me care about the character. You still mm -hmm. have to do the emotion. You still have to connect me. You still have to set everything up correctly, but do that as a prologue. And then just mm -hmm. jump forward 10 years. That might be a valid reason to do a prologue. Most prologues just don't need to be there. They don't need to happen. You think that you have to get this mm -hmm. information to the reader, but you don't. You don't. 99 out of 100 times, that information can come way later, way more organic, and after I care about the character. And then when that information comes, it matters to me because it yep. matters to the character. Giving me information, you know, before I, I mean, uh, the example that I love to use that I think they did a brilliant job is a movie. It's Johnny Depp in Nick of Time. So the, the plot's very simple. There's a group that wants to kill a politician. So they kidnap a kid. They put a gun into the dad's hands and say, if you don't kill that man over there, we're going to kill your child. Mm. Now, a, a bad writer could have started it right there. A bad writer could have just, just had the, 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 the father and the child go, and then the child gets mm. kidnapped and bam. Because to start before that is kind of boring. Nothing's happening. But they were good writers. And they actually, for the first five or eight minutes of the movie, it's just this great dad. And I can't remember if it was a boy or a girl, but it was a dad child moment. They bought ice cream. They went to the museum. They laughed. Like you fell in love with them as a parent child couple. You cared about them. You, you actually loved what type of father he was. You loved, you know, what he was doing as a parent so that when that kid gets kidnapped and that gun gets put into his hands, it's getting put into my hands. Mm. And now I love that child and I love the, the connection. And see, when I watched it, I, was, I wasn't a dad yet. I mean, so this is, this is me as, as a childless person. And I still was like, oh no, you kill that politician. You do anything you have to do. You break any moral value you have. I don't care. You protect that child. Mm. Nothing else matters. And without that, without that eight, 10 minute setup that they did, which was boring in the grand scheme of things, sure. but without that setup, without making me care about the dynamic of that relationship, if they just started off with the kidnapping, I don't care. I don't care. Kill the child. What, what do I care? It's just some random kid. It doesn't mean anything to me. If one person dies, it's a tragedy. But if a thousand people die, it's just a statistic. And at that point, those characters are just a face in a crowd. Yeah, no They're just a statistic. So it doesn't matter. You have to individualize those characters. <laughs> you have to individually make me care about them so that everything that happens to them now, I'm like, what? Not to that person. Like kill a thousand other people. I'm fine with, but not that person, that character I like. But I, I think for today, to. dreamscapes and flashbacks. flashbacks consider very carefully then reconsider and maybe then write it and then get a bunch of people to read it and ask yes. them what they think of it and then reconsider it some more like yeah. seriously it's it's these things can be done they can be done well they can be done powerfully they can literally do and including prologues mm -hmm. these are devices that if you're going to use you really have to make sure you understand them, understand why you're doing them, believe in why you're doing them. Um, you know, I'm fighting for this, this story to start off in a dream and I'm mm -hmm. fighting for it. Like I am 
you know, mm. I want it to have to have to happen. But we have a rule in our group that if all four don't agree with something, then it doesn't happen. Mm. So because we figure if all four of us agree, then it's it's going to be dynamic and awesome. And if one doesn't, then it then it's not as dynamic as it could be. Yep. Think think about it and really consider it because most of the time you're probably not doing it as cool as you think you're doing it. Yeah. Agreed. And on that note, we will see you soon for another episode of Releasing Your Inner Dragon. Bye. Hey guys, Drake here. Thank you so much for listening to Releasing Your Inner Dragon podcast. I hope you're getting a ton of information and maybe even some nuggets of gold that you can take into your own writing to help you on your journey of story creation. A couple things I want to throw at you. First of all, for the first time in years, I am opening myself up to being a private mentor again. If you would like for me to work with you to improve your writing right now, reach out to me. You can either go to my website, maxwellalexanderdrake.com, and send me a contact form or or just email me at author at maxadrake.com. Also, as many of you may know, I've been out of the novel game for quite a few years. I was the lead fiction writer for EverQuest Next from Sony. I've been in the movie and TV industry for a few years now. But I am excited to say I'm back into the novel game. I've actually been working on a novel for a little while now, and I'm going to start dropping it on Amazon's Vela. So if you're on that platform, look me up, Maxwell Alexander Drake. Thank you again for listening, and as always, keep writing. Hi guys, this is Marie from Releasing Your Inner Dragon, and I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you're interested in more content on fantasy world building, head over to YouTube and look up Just In Time Worlds. I release tons of content there. If you'd like to check out my book, The Hidden Blade by Marie M. Mullaney, it is available as an ebook, audiobook, and print book on Amazon. Thanks for listening, and see you soon.